0: You're listening to the Mind Your Business podcast. Today I'm talking to Pam Grout, best selling author of the book E Squared, about how your thoughts create your reality. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and I've built a multiple seven figure internet business that offers the financial freedom to do what I want when I want. And I'm the first to say that hard work and hustle are not essential ingredients for your success. So how do you build a thriving business from the inside out? Now with over 800,000 downloads, this is the Mind Your Business Podcast. OMG, everybody. How y'all doing? Welcome to the Mind Your Business Podcast. I'm James Wedmore. And boy, are you in for a very special treat today. I've got the author of the best-selling book, E Squared, Mrs. Pam Grout, will be joining us here. I am so pumped to share this. This book is basically one of the staples, the essential manuals, the prerequisites for my listeners. I've talked about this book since the beginning, over 100 episodes ago. I read it quite a few years back, and I love it. Because you know me, I'm left brain by nature, so is Pam, and so she takes a very scientific approach to all this woo-woo law of attraction stuff, and shows you in the book how to test it, how to, how to really prove that everything is indeed energy, and that our thoughts do create our reality and not the other way around. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. It's a doozy. Pam has a lot to share, and she's written quite a few books since then. But this first book is a great place to start, so you know we'll make sure to link it up in the show notes. You want to make sure you get your hands on E-squared. A-S-A-P. So who exactly is Pam Grout? Pam is the author of 16 books, including E-squared, three plays, a television series, and two iPhone apps. Her articles have appeared in numerous publications, including People, Travel and Leisure, Family Circle, Modern Maturity, The Washington Post, and Detroit Free Press. And she's also just released her newest book, Art and Soul Reloaded, a year-long apprenticeship for summoning the muses and reclaiming your bold, audacious, creative side. So, without further ado, let's play that interview With Pam Grout. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I am here with none other than best-selling author Pam Grout. Pam, how are you doing? I am doing
1: great, and it's so great to be here. It it is having me on. It
0: is surreal. I was telling you before the show, and all of our listeners know this: that you know, here I am. I've I've been in business now for ten years, and I talk about this very left-brain, masculine marketing strategy. And this podcast is really about, well, here's all the other stuff I'm doing. And, you know, for a lot of people, it's like, whoa, what is this? And like, oh, boy, James has gone crazy. And I always say that Pam Grout's book, E Squared, is like the gateway drug um, to uh, this entire world, because I just found so much of myself in you. I resonated so much with the way you approached everything, because it was so from such a scientific mind. And I just really appreciate that. And I just wanted to acknowledge you because I think the work you've done. I'm gonna, obviously for to have E Square climb to the top of New York Times best selling charts, like. It's no wonder because this was needed and I think it just hit home with so many people and I know you've written so many books since then. We're going to get into those, but yeah, I just wanted to acknowledge you and thank you and definitely thank you for coming on the show.
1: Oh, well, thank you and thanks for that high praise. You know, I'll have to um, really uh, up my game here to do an interview after that little <laughs> introduction.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, you're perfect right where you are. And let's see, I wanted to start and just say like if we took at least the, the first two books of yours that I read... E squared and E cubed, how would you like condense that message to someone? If someone were to come to us and, you know, listen in and say like, well, what are those books about? How would you answer that question?
1: Well, a lot of people call it the law of attraction, but you know, when I wrote that book, I had never even heard of the law of attraction because it's this principle that really does work. So basically it's about living in possibility state as opposed to problem state. And I think a lot of people, you know, they spend their whole life coming up with problems to fix and then they. You know, then they devote every waking moment to fixing those problems. This book is about possibility and the fact that there are so many more possibilities out there. There are so many more resources that we can all tap into. There's this bigger thing going on. And I want people to realize that because you know we've condensed our reality, our worldview into this little tiny, narrow peephole when it's so much bigger. So basically, the book is a way to prove to people that this is actually true, that there are these other resources, that there is this bigger field of infinite potential is what I call it, that is wanting to bless us, that's wanting to guide us, that's wanting to, you know, give us everything we could possibly need. So, I mean, this is this great thing, this resource, and a lot of us just aren't using it. So I want people to realize this. And rather than just say, oh, here's the truth, I give them experiments. I say, hey, try this for 48 hours. And I, you know, I put up a hypothesis. I put up lab report sheets, everything. I don't want anybody to take my word for it. I want them to try it. Please, please, please. Tap into this infinite field of potentiality, please, is yeah. basically what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, and it's it's so great, I think, just because you tackle something that is a conversation that's normally very, like what I would say, right brain, and you just approach it from such a left brain analytical stance, and I think that just really grounds it for so many people. It definitely did for me, and I just think it's it's so great, and I definitely want to go deeper with all that, like how do we live from this possibility state and how do we expand our our reality so that we can see all the different opportunities in front of us. But I'm really curious to know a little bit about the origin story of these books and how you really stumbled upon this, especially now that you tell me like you hadn't even heard of this concept called the law of attraction before the book.
1: No, I had it all. But see, I wrote E Squared as another book, and it's basically the same book. And I wrote it about nine years earlier. And at that time, it was called God Doesn't Have Bad Hair Days. And that really wasn't a very good title because, again, it's about this field of infinite potentiality. It's about this you know, amazing force field that's out there. I talk a lot about quantum physics and that kind of thing, but because it had the word God in it, and basically what it's saying is that part of the reason a lot of us aren't tapped into this higher force is because we've got a lot of baggage around it. Like they, we think of it as God and God and the concept that we learned in church. And there's a lot of baggage for a lot of people with those words. So anyway, I came back out with it, you know, 10 years later And I guess, you know, it was the idea whose time had come or whatever. Because when I wrote the first book, my editor said, it was about the same time that secret came out. She goes, Your book's just like the secret. I don't know what's happened to it. Because God doesn't have bad hair days didn't do all that great. I mean, the five people that read it loved it. <laughs> but you know, nobody else read it. Yeah. But I still believe in that book. And I, after that book came out and, you know, did go out of print, I went on and I wrote three books for National Geographic. And, you know, I did other things. I didn't moan and whine about the fact my book didn't do so well, but I still loved it. And so I brought it back out a little bit later, you know, sold it to Hay House, and then of course the rest is history. It just took off like a a lightning bug. I mean, it just took off to the sky. So it was really exciting for me. But um, anyway, so the genesis of the idea, I, you know, have used these principles in my own life. I'm a student of A Course in Miracles. Mm. And so I've used these principles to really have an amazing life. And so, and because it's free, because it's available to everybody I want everybody to know it because, you know, you get something good and you want to share it with the world. And I think that's why I wrote the book. And I also know that a lot of people, because they do have that baggage around God and all that baggage around, oh, you have to follow all these rules. And it seems like just more problems and more, you know, difficult things to do. I wanted to make it fun. I wanted to make it to where people could understand it. And I wanted to make it where people could see this, these facts with their own two eyes. So that's why I set it up like experiments. It's like, don't take my word for it. Give this a try. What are you going to waste? 48 hours of your life? I mean, you know, yep. what, what do you have to lose? So oh, exactly. anyway, just kind of a way to con people into not con people, but to, <laughs> you know, inspire them to try this other way of living. So anyway, I practice these principles in my own life, the nine core principles that I think everybody should know. And they basically come from A Course in Miracles. That was my background in writing this book.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then Thank and Grow Rich, I mean, so good. It talks just about so much about the importance of gratitude. I'm wondering if you can just speak a little bit to that because did you not include much on in, in E-squared about like how much the vibration of gratitude plays a role into it or was what what made you want to I talk quite
1: a bit about it actually, but Mm -hmm. why I wrote Thank and Grow Rich is because okay, so once E Squared came out I started getting, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of emails from people. And they usually started with something like, you are never going to believe this. show. You know, people were so excited because they started realizing the beneficence of the universe. And people were so excited about this manifestation or that manifestation. But every now and then I'd get a letter from somebody that said, this doesn't work for me. You know, they were kind of grumpy and, you know, what's wrong with me and how come this doesn't work? And I realized that there was still this other piece to address. And that was, you know, it all depends on what frequency you are on. And that's where gratitude comes in. It's like you cannot watch ABC if you're tuned into CBS. And I think a lot of people here, they're trying to manifest all this stuff, but they're still in that problem state. They're still on a different frequency. So what happens when you start becoming more grateful and starting to see the blessings and the joy and the beauty of life? everything changes for you because again what you put your attention upon you animate into your life so if you put your attention upon all the stuff that needs to be fixed and all the stuff that's not working out you're going to animate a lot of stuff into your life that needs to be fixed is not working out. So gratitude really is the seed that opens the door for anybody that feels like this isn't working for them. And I just thought it was a really important piece for those people that did feel that, you know, this doesn't work for them. The truth is it works for everybody, but you know, if you're not in a, a state of gratitude, a lot of times you can't even see your blessings. You're literally blind to them. I tell that story and he squared about the girl That was at the airport, you know, with like four bags, and she's sitting there waiting for the airport bus, and she's grumpy and Mm -hmm. mad. My friend sat there and watched her. She said the bus passed her two times, it circled around two times. And this girl was so invested in being mad and angry and upset that, you know, things weren't working out for her, she couldn't even see the bus. And since I wrote about that particular story in E-squared, I've gotten a lot of emails from people that told me similar stories that, you know, that happened to them. And there's even scientific research, since you are a science guy, you know, in the journal of, I think it was the journal of uh, neuro something. (laughs) I should, neuroscience maybe. But anyway, they did a study and people, and so they, you know, they had two different control groups and one group, both groups, were supposed to find, you know, these pictures in this list or these words or something, the ones that were in what they called a grump, they didn't use the word frequency because, you know, scientists probably don't use that, at least not in this context, but people that were in kind of grumpy moods and weren't being very positive, they saw 50% less of the things that they were supposed to see you know, than the people that were feeling good, that were doing positive things. So I think what happens is like even our brains kind of shut down. They cannot visually see so many things that are happening when they're in this bad frequency. So to me, it's just really, really important that people realize this is the missing piece, you know, to really get grateful and to start seeing all the great things. And then as you start looking for that and and making that your priority, you find more and more great things to find. I mean, they're just out there and they probably were there all along, but you just couldn't see them because you were so invested in that other grumpy frequency.
0: Yeah. It's so powerful. And I, and I think to even push that further is, and this is, this is challenging and still challenging for me is to find gratitude in the things that are unwanted in your life, right? Like the things that aren't, a naturally a blast. It's very easy to, you know, when it's sunny and nice and 70, I mean, it is in, in I'm in Southern Orange County, it's 75 <laughs> and sunny in October. I'm ve- it's very easy to be like, wow, I'm really grateful for this beautiful sunny day. But I think where my practice is today, which can be challenging times is where do you find, or how do you find the gratitude in things that, you know, maybe aren't going your way or, or the unwanted. And I do believe there are blessings, lessons, and opportunities in, in everything. Well, there are.
1: The other thing that happens, and I've been thinking about this a lot. When you name something, you label it, you judge it as something unwanted or something bad or this isn't good. You really do set up a big resistance. It's like you're building this wall around yourself. So, so many of us. It's almost like you dam up the flow when you start resisting something mm-hmm. and you start naming things bad because and, and that's what we all do. Again, that's what I mean. That's by problem state. Most people are spending their time in problem state. And so it's that resistance. And then the more we think about it, and the more we resist and don't want this. I mean, I think it was Eckhart Tolle that said, you know, no matter what's happening to you act as if you chose it, as you personally chose it out of a list of, you know, a thousand things. And you personally chose this, even if it, you, you know, originally thought it's not what you want, because as you start accepting and surrendering then the good stuff will start showing up more. But again, that's a judgment, too, to even say that there are good stuff. In fact, I often (laughs) talk about, you know, the pointless painting. And so many of us are right up, it's right up at our face, you know, and all we can see are the dots. And so that's kind of how life is. We're seeing this thing that didn't look so good in our little judging minds. But as we step away and we have a little bit more perspective, we can see the beautiful picture that that pointless painting is. Like, for example, you know, Anita Morjani, who's a friend of mine, you know, she had cancer, it ended up being the best thing to ever happen to her Mm -hmm. sometimes losing a job can be the best thing that ever happens to you i mean even these natural disasters that are happening could, I mean, in the long run be the best thing that ends up happening, and there certainly is beautiful things that come out of it. I'm a reporter for People magazine. I'm often sent like to cover tornadoes or, you know, various, you know, natural disasters, and the thing that happens even there, even in the midst of all of this, you find people coming out of the woodwork to help, to love. And it really does solidify your belief in the human compassion and human love for each other. So, no matter what it is that's happening, if we don't judge it, if we don't set up that wall of resistance, it literally just passes right on through, and will turn into something really beautiful.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, beautifully said. I also think that getting that conceptually is one thing. Right. Living <laughs> your life that way can be really challenging. Can be, you know, can be difficult. So when something happens, like what is step one? It's just like total acceptance of what is without judgment
1: or to look for something that might be good in it. You know, the course in miracles is very clear. It says this way of life is not difficult at all. It's just so different than the way we're used to living. Mm. You know, we're used to again, living in that problem state. So so if we, I mean, surrender, it's always a good thing. Like, again, I, in, in the course of miracles, so they call it the Holy Spirit. I call it the field of infinite potentiality. I always ask for a, if I'm starting to see something, you know, that doesn't look very good, it's like, okay, this is what my little pea brain is producing. Because again, what we're seeing is just a, you know, a hologram of what's in our thought. It's like, we're looking at this movie projector and the picture we're seeing is coming from our mind. It's not that that screen is white, basically, but we're projecting our thoughts out there in the world. So if I'm seeing something that really is not looking too good to me, then I'm noticing that resistance. So I'll ask for help. I mean, I'm not, I mean, in fact, to me, that's one of the best things to do is to ask for help from the field of potentiality say hey i'm seeing this in a way that is not making me happy help me see it differently that's one of the crucial messages in course in miracles help me see this differently because the only problems any of us have comes in our mind it comes from our mind thinking that something is wrong that something needs to be fixed that oh my gosh i better run i mean these are just these thoughts that are constantly running through our our worldview
0: yeah when you're asking for help is there a way in which you're doing it where it's not coming off as like this desperate needy like please help me you know is it just kind of like a request like if you were ordering a Diet Coke at a restaurant
1: Exactly. That's a good way to say it. It's just like, help me see this differently. Yeah,
0: that's really you know, good. Help
1: me see this differently. And one of the things I like to talk about, too, is that you know we want to retrain our minds because our minds are used to looking for problems. So I compare it to a housebreaking a puppy. You know, yeah, it's going to come up again, those thoughts that life sucks and then you die. I mean, those kind of <laughs> thoughts will come up and you go, look at the newspaper. It's so obvious that everything I'm saying here is absolute fact. Well, so I keep, you know, I'm training my mind. I'm training my mind to see the bigger picture. I'm training my mind not to collapse the wave to talk about physics terms into one negative, unhappy reality. Because when you collapse the wave and see only that. You're stuck in that box. So I wanna be in the bigger box where anything is possible, where everything is possible, where help from I mean, I hear stories sometimes where people I mean, things just literally have dropped out of the sky. Remember in the Bible it talks about manna. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get some of these emails that are so extraordinary from people where literally things just drop out of the sky. And I mean that may be a little too woo, too far out for your listeners. I'm not exactly sure, you know, if it's oh, no, they're, business. They're
0: people. ready for it. yo they're ready for yeah.
1: it. But seriously, it does happen. The only reason it's not happening constantly. I mean, of course, according to the Course in Miracles, miracles are natural. They're always happening. But we have to change our perception to be able to see them, to recognize them. We literally have to change our frequency, which is what you know what retraining your mind's all about it's like taking that puppy back outside and showing it a different reality and asking for help so it, I mean it's and in fact I was just going to say this and this is a real bugaboo and I noticed you said it too I said it's not easy that's what I was going to say but again that's a belief as well that this is difficult because yes. like the Course in Miracles says this isn't difficult it's just so different so I always say that the word hard oh this is hard is the most dangerous four letter word in the English language because as long as we believe something is hard, it's going to be hard because, again, we're going to animate back whatever we're putting out there. We're going to attract into our life whatever we're putting out there with our thoughts. So I like to say it's going to be smooth and easy. And I mean, that's a radical concept because people think, oh, I do have to work really, really hard at this. But what if it could be easy? What if all we had to do was ask for this help, you know, to see things differently? What if it really was that simple? And again, that's radical. A lot of people aren't willing to Believe that because our culture is so ingrained that you have to work really, really hard um, to have any kind of success. I believe if you start changing your frequency, start changing how you're vibrating, and again, get on this gratitude channel that I talk about, I believe that things start working out. And the thing is, and that's kind of what my new book is about, it's about imagining new and better things. It's not like you won't be working at things, but I call it more like playing at things. When you find and you're following that divine guidance that you're getting from this bigger thing, it's fun. I mean, you want to be doing it. You love your work. You love You know, like I'm a writer. So, you know, I write books. I write articles. There's nothing I'd rather be doing. I mean, yes, I spend some time with it. I spend hours thinking about ideas. You know, I sit at my computer and some people might say, well, that's not fun or that's hard work. But to me, it's not hard work because it's what I love to do. It's what I feel like I was meant to do. So when I'm doing that, I'm just, you know, a lot better. And when you're on that frequency of gratitude and seeing the beauty in the world, everything in your life just goes better. Like I'm a pickleball player. So when I'm feeling, feeling the buzz and you know, divine buzz, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a better pickleball player. My my writing flows more smoothly. Everything I do works out better when I'm in that happier frequency. So it's just so worth it to spend the time that it takes to Or, you know, to do the mind training that it takes to, you know, get on that happier frequency.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, is there a specific exercise or, you know, practice that you do before you start writing to make sure you're in that right receptive state?
1: Well, I do in the book, I talk about, I've got this invocation to the muses. You know, mm. the muses are what, you know, they always said were the, the, the muse of music, the muse of writing, the muse of whatever. And I don't even know what the specific muse is for writing. But again, it's basically appealing to that bigger thing because I feel like my best work doesn't really come from me it comes from something bigger like i'm just the secretary man writing it down you know i'm just the satellite dish bringing in the stuff and to me that's when life gets really exciting when it's not me generating the stuff i'm literally you know tuning in and getting great stuff from the universe so i always do my little invocation to the muses to say hey i need some help here or whatever Mm. i mean i have a little thing that I read. And in my new book, I, t- I encourage people to write their own invocation to the muses. Again, it's a way to, you know, ask for help from something bigger. To me, it's the only way to fly is to, you know, get help from that, that bigger thing.
0: And It's funny way, you, you know, I've heard that. I remember the first time someone told me like, it's not coming from me. And I had a really hard time with that when I first heard that this was years ago. And it was like, was there ever a challenge of like, you know, well, if' this isn't, if it's not really me, I'm just this vessel, then it's not really mine anyways, and there isn't really a sense of accomplishment or achievement. Like what's your relationship with that if it's something that's coming through you, not from you?
1: But see, it is an accomplishment, not so much my accomplishment, but this idea that I serve the greater purpose of bringing people joy or bringing people something fun to learn or bringing people that I'm actually delivering these gifts, so to speak, to the world. And I think all of us have gifts. So. I mean, and I say we have gifts, but I mean, we're all meant to channel these gifts. You know, some of us were given the propensity to write well. Some of us were given the propensity to speak well. You know, they speak, you know, good and public. You know what I mean? We all have these different gifts. But then to use those gifts in the service of this bigger story, because, you know, this this story of possibility and of like what else can we imagine and what can we create that's big and beautiful, because that is why we are here, to create the big and the beautiful.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. And that was still you is your free will, your choice to have done the work to get into that right frequency.
1: Right. And it makes me happy. I mean, maybe, I mean, again, it's something bigger than me, but I mean, I've, you know, tried sticking with my own little mind and my own little mind is somewhat limited, (laughs) you know, and gets stuck in these old patterns. So I really depend on the bigger thing. It literally has saved me.
0: Yeah. I'm sure it gives like, just like a bigger level of just like peace and trust and understanding.
1: Right. And then you know that nothing I mean, that's the ultimate goal of, of the course of miracles a peace of mind. You know that nothing can really hurt you. And in fact, that's why You know, you don't really name things as problems because you know that nothing. I mean, we're invincible, basically. I mean, our bodies might be invincible. What's the word? Our bodies might (laughs) be prone to all the things that bodies are prone to. But this spirit, this bigger thing we are, we're multidimensional people. That part is invincible. Mm -hmm. And we may not be aware of it. In fact, a lot of us aren't aware of that bigger part of ourselves. But it is really the truth of who we are. It's the real who we are. And it's the part that can never be you know, sold or, or ruined or killed. I mean, it's there. It's our divine inheritance.
0: Well, that even just that invincibility conversation is really fascinating to me. This is something I've been thinking about recently is, you know, I, I surf just about every single day. And recently, (laughs) I know I, I love it. I love every second of it. And recently I went out during some really big swells and, you know, you start getting a lot of fear. Like I could die like you get a real sense of healthy fear like maybe I shouldn't be out here it's too big something bad could happen and you feel a fear and what was fascinating looking back on that is times that I've done things big in my life like putting myself out there you know launching a podcast launching a business it's the same type of fear yet there's no your life isn't really at risk in this situation and I've just found that always so fascinating. It's like, wow, you really your brain really thinks like your life is gonna be threatened by these decisions. Like to, right. to follow and that your part dreams. Of our brain yeah. That
1: kicks in for doing that. And that's where, you know, this mind training, because you know that part of the reptilian part of our brains always gonna tell us, oh, this isn't safe, you shouldn't be doing this. And when you listen to that part of your brain, because everybody has that part of their brain, when you listen to that, you'll stay stuck in the box. So you have to kind of say, you know, thank you for sharing. <laughs> yeah. But but I think I'm gonna be okay here. Yeah. You know, I think I'm gonna be all right and I'm gonna go ahead and risk it.
0: And it sounds like when you know you keep referring to training the brain or training your mind. It sounds like what we're really doing is untraining the habitual nature we've we've had up until the moment we we. Bingo!
1: Kind of just, that is exactly right. Well, you hit that one on the head. That is really true.
0: <laughs> yeah, like we kind of have our default out of the box methods for how we deal with breakdowns and problems, and when the certain things that happen that could always happen, we have this like natural reactive way. And what you're suggesting is that the only reason it would be quote unquote, definitely doing air quotes here hard is because if you've been doing it one way for so long, there's that like habitual, what's comfortable, what's familiar way. Now you're asking us to do something pretty much complete opposite Of what most people have done their entire life. And that can you know, anything like that can be uncertain. I know this a lot of this like faith like that real feeling of faith where, you know, even if you if you do one of your experiments and you ask for it in forty eight hours or less and it's an hour forty seven and thirty minutes and you haven't seen it yet, there's like a part of this like weightlessness, uncertainty, like holding your breath, and I get it. I totally get it. But gosh, you do it long enough and it just kind of feels you know, habitual second nature. Is that kind of how all this feels to you today? That it's just a, it's less about. I mean,
1: I still get scared and see in some ways it's kind of exciting to be scared in a sense, because then you know, you're doing something bigger Uh, because if you're not scared or you're not putting yourself at risk in any way then, you know, it starts getting kind of blah and boring. So, so it's kind of exciting. I mean, I think they've done some studies that, you know, your body or your, you know, your physiology can't tell the difference between, you know, excitement and fear. I mean, kind of the same things start happening in your body. So if we can reframe it as, wow, this is pretty exciting. (laughs) I mean, this is something Really cool. Something great's going on here, instead of, oh my God, I better run. <laughs> you <laughs> right. know, so it's a way of, see, cause, I mean, to me, if I wasn't doing things that were new, you know what I mean? It's just, it's not, if, if it's not a little bit scary, it's just hardly worth doing, I guess you could say.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The word that comes to mind for me is exhilarating. It's kind of, oh, that's a great word. <laughs> it just combines both that excitement and that fear. And it really does when you step out of that comfort zone, it becomes, Really exhilarating. One quote I'd love to read from "Think and Grow Rich that really stood out for me. And obviously, everyone knows that this is a reference to Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. And you just said something so great in the book that I have to share with our listeners. No offense to Napoleon Hill, the author of the self-help classic on which my title riffs, but the real powers is in not- thinking. If you want to override your brain's unfortunate habit of leafing through your past and creating a present hologram to match, forget thinking and start thanking. I love that. You're such a great great writer. I'm not just saying that. I I really enjoy your writing. Can we speak to this hologram? Because you've mentioned the word hologram a few times. And I remember reading the book, The Holographic Universe, several years ago. And that was just such a profound book to me. I mean, I mean, this is, this is interesting. So your past is creating a present hologram.
1: Exactly. Because, okay. So like in Course in Miracles, every day wake up and this could be completely different. In fact, the first few lessons in A Course in Miracles are all about everything I'm seeing is not really real. It's just something I've manufactured from my brain. I mean, basically saying that we're seeing, you know, we're seeing our past, we're seeing a movie of our past day after day after day. And so once we let go of that, so anyway, so, I mean, the best way to describe how we've created this reality out there is to kind of compare it to a hologram, because... That's what we're doing with our mind. I mean, if you're in a room with 10 people, all 10 of those people are going to be seeing it differently. Remember when there was that thing that went off on Facebook about the dress, you know, and some
0: blue or or something,
1: but people saw it differently. I mean, that's really the truth. You know, we believe, and that's one of the biggest problems. We believe that what we're seeing out there is absolute fact. I mean, this is absolute fact and we know it's absolute fact. And we often argue with others about how it's absolute fact. But really what it is, like I said, it's a hologram of our mind. And, you know, and so we're, we're literally creating that. So as you start changing, and you hear this all the time in the kind of the self helpy thing, change your inside and the outside picture changes. Mm-hmm. And I always talk about, you know, you look at a mirror and if you're, you know, your lipstick smudged, I guess you wouldn't have to necessarily deal with <laughs> that. But you don't go to the mirror and try to fix the lipstick smudge on the mirror. You have to fix it on yourself. And yes. that's really how it is. If we want to change the world we see, you know, what's, what's showing up for us, the hologram, we have to change the inside. We have to change, you know, how we're viewing the world and how we're showing up. So 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 anyway, it's not just a
0: hologram. It's, it's a hologram that is reflecting your inner world. Exactly, It is the mirror. The, the The reality that we think is factual and real is the mirror of the, of who we are inside and what's going on inside.
1: Exactly. It's just like a movie projector. It's projecting out. It's showing us, you know, what we're thinking. (laughs) It's like, whoa, I don't know. And see, that's a hard concept for people. very hard. People think it's absolute fact. And, you know, any cube, I talk about worldview 1.0 and, you know, the way everybody sees the world and how this new world's coming in this worldview 2.0 is what I call it. And, you know, science is telling us know that. You know, what we're seeing is not actually there. You know, our minds, there was some video where, you know, our brain learns how to, you know, how to interpret it, you know, to fit our the story that we're telling. And there was some thing that would turn, some glasses you could put on and it would make everything upside down. And after you wore these glasses for a while, it wasn't long before you automatically flipped it over and saw everything right side up again. And then when you took them off, suddenly... The way you used to see the world, it's upside down again. I mean, so our wow. brains literally can do these weird little tricks, and again, projecting out there what we're thinking, what we're taught. I mean, it's mostly a, you know, a product of of what we're taught, what we're inculturated to believe.
0: Yeah. Well, let's. I, I want to go deeper with this for just a second. So, like, everything's an illusion, but like, I, you know, I'm sitting at this desk and I can touch it, I can feel it, so it feels real? Is it just because it's made up of, you know, because there's the quantum physics conversation? Is that what makes it illusion that it's 99.99% space? Is that what you, is that what you mean when you say, you know, reality around you is an illusion or are you referring to something different?
1: No, no, that is the truth. I mean, if you really break it down, the table, the desk, the computer, we're talking over all of it, it is mostly space. Mm -hmm. But again, we have created with our minds a way of looking at it that makes sense for us. It's kind of like, you know, if you look on a computer screen, you see that little icon, you know, for your iTunes Well, you go, wow, there's my music. Well, no, it's really just a little, a little square, (laughs) but we know that if we press it, we get that. So in some ways it's representing. So like all these things we see are sort of like little icons Mm. that represent something else, but we make them easy. Like it's easy because that's the little icon, but it's not like you're looking at all your music right there, yet it's all right there. So in some ways, what we're seeing is that icon Just like, you know, that we've created, we're so, our brains are so ingenious, so they figured out a way to make it easy for us. So it's real easy to know that this is a chair I'm sitting on, (laughs) you know, that is a computer I'm talking into, because it just makes it easy to do that. But, I mean, there are, like, mystical guys in South America that can make the chair turn into a an airplane. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I mean, these are just really far out concepts and maybe we don't really want to go there, No,
0: but, but I've, I've I heard mean, stories like this all the time, like people that can levitate and, you know, people that have like, and these are, look, these are deep conversations, but I've read some very fascinating books on these topics. people that have like turned into like light and vanished.
1: Like, and I love this kind of stuff. And see, I love this kind of conversation. But, you know, we think about the things we normally talk about. I mean, we talk about such small things when there's all these other possibilities. So I love, you know, bringing up this as a possibility. You know, that's never happened to me (laughs) personally, (laughs) but I love that I get to hear all these stories about people that it has happened to. And I like to collect those things. I like to collect miracle stories because, again, just like that four-minute mile that we've all heard that story, once you know something's possible, then it's possible for you as Uh, well because most of us don't even realize it's possible. We're just so stuck into the story that we believe the way the world works.
0: Yes, and that's because we're looking at the hologram, which is a reflection of the past anyways, and we're now reflecting that back out and it just becomes this vicious cycle it's just this like endless feedback loop of that's why people stay stuck is because they're like well this is the way it is because this is what i see out here but what you see out there is already a reflection of where you've been your frequency where your receptiveness level is and you just stay stuck huh
1: Right, right. I mean, I want to wake up every day and have a new day. I mean, well, we all have a new day, but I mean a day that is different than I've ever seen before. Mm -hmm. You know, I've always had those little affirmations. I start my day with something used to be amazingly awesome. And my new one is now something extraordinarily epic is going to happen to me today. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know know, how it's going to happen, but I'm making that intention that something really cool is going to happen to me today. And that is such an important thing you know I don't want it to be what I think it's going to be I want it to be something I haven't even thought of yet I want it to be extraordinary and I want it to be epic and that's something you know way beyond what I can imagine so the less I hang on to my belief about this is the way the world has to be and this is the way it works the more those kind of things can show up in my life. So it's exciting. I mean, if you get to that point where you really are devoted to possibility and to unlimited possibility, it's just, it's crazy good. I mean, you know, every day can be crazy good. No matter what happens out there, no matter what, you know, the newspapers might say, I guess newspapers, who even reads those anymore, what the news feed (laughs) might say, you know. So.
0: Well yeah. and you know and you also got to be careful what you wish for cuz I remember when I did this I went to bed one night as when I was really diving deep into this and learning it and really wanting to master it and I I said you know I want to go I want to have an adventure I want something super exciting a big new adventure went to bed next morning woke up to a text message from a friend who's like text me out of the blue and says, I just bought your skydiving ticket. We're going skydiving in two days. (laughs) And I have the biggest fear of flying, of falling, of height, like all of that. And it was for two days, like, I was, listen, my frequency was very low. I was so scared. I was so nervous. You know, it ended up being an amazing time, but I was like, well, yeah, careful what you wish for because I got that yeah. adventure.
1: <laughs> that's great. That's great.
0: What do you say to somebody who, you know, there's so much stuff going on in the media right now and you just know, you and I both know, it creates so much fear. What do you say to everything that's going on and, and how we need to handle all that and process it?
1: Well, I just recently found out that, you know who Elizabeth Gilbert is? She wrote the book, Eat, Pray, Love. Yes. She has a tattoo on her arm that says, stubborn gladness. And this line comes from a poem, her favorite poet, which is Jack Gilbert, no relation to her. And he had a thing that we must be stubbornly glad. And I don't know, I'm not quoting it exactly, even in the furnace of chaos. So it does look like a furnace of chaos is happening out there. But I am going to be stubbornly glad, stubbornly joyful, stubbornly grateful, and I'm going to see what else is going on. What else is going on? I don't want to limit, I don't want to condense my life into that box of what it says is happening on the world stage. Because if I do, it's easy to get scared or to fear, but if I can stay open to other possibilities, stubbornly glad there are other possibilities and i can imagine a different way because if you get really upset about something that's happening you're cementing in that reality Mm. i mean by getting by fighting it by hating it by oh my god this shouldn't happen all you're doing is creating more and more of that to deal with so it's so important to look what else is going on and no matter what's happening there is always something else going on i mean for example i mean sometimes it comes down to okay i'm going to go outside and i'm going to see you know a blade of grass pushing through the dirt i mean how miraculous is that or you know the butterfly flying across the the window. I mean, you know, all these other things are also going on. Yes, some of these news events are, you know, happening. But right here, right now, all I see, you mentioned you've got sunshine, I've got sunshine. I mean, the sun is up there in the sky. It's making food grow. It's, you know, putting light out into the planet. I mean, it's doing amazing things. I mean, there's this giant, you know, we're one... You know, cosmosphere and all these <laughs> many, many cosmospheres. I mean, it's just so much bigger than anything we can see. In fact, I heard a funny story about the Seinfeld writer's room, you know, back when that show Seinfeld uh-huh. was on. And it said that they kept pictures from the Hubble telescope in there because, like, they'd get all upset about some little thing that was happening Oh, well, you know, Elaine should say this or Kramer should say this or whatever. You know how, you know, it's a team of writers writing it and there would be some disagreements. And whenever somebody would get stuck into that, oh, you know, this isn't working out, this is a problem they would point to those pictures, you know, taken from the Hubble telescope, you know, wow. it's just, there's such a big world out there, so much bigger. I and mean, we're just one teeny tiny little bit of it. And so that's a good way to kind of keep things in perspective as well as to, you know, realize that there's a much bigger picture out there.
0: Absolutely. But, but just like you said that this reality is a reflected hologram. I mm-hmm. mean, is, is that also happening then on a, you know, mass consciousness scale? Like, well, the majority of people are frozen in fear, does that then create, you know, you said you some it cements a reality, but so then is it just creating more of that?
1: Well, what I think's happening is that at the same time, we're seeing a lot of fearful things. We're also seeing a lot of good rising up. We're seeing yeah. a lot more visions of what we want instead. Yeah. You know, we're seeing a lot of, you know, like all the rats are coming up from the basement or whatever, you know? And it's like, we are, you know, realizing how important it is to have a vision and to create something even better and so I think it's actually kind of an exciting time, you know, it all depends on how you look at it. It's like, okay, you know what? We're realizing this isn't what we want. We can create something better. And I think a lot of people are having that conversation or looking at that. So, nice. you know, at the same time, we might see all the horror. I think we're also seeing an awful lot of people standing up and, you know, creating a better world. I mean, this new book that I wrote, it's all about all of us giving our gifts. And like I say in there, it's not the politicians that are going to save us. It's not the corporations that are going to save us. It's individuals giving of their gifts, mm. you know, because now with, the you know, the digital technology that we have, one person sitting in a coffee shop can reach millions of people. I mean, any, you know what I mean? It's like, there's so much power that we all have and we've always had it, but now it's real right there in our faces. You know, we can send out a different messages. I mean, even sending out molecules of happiness, you know, I, I think that's an important public service, you know, to be happy, to be, to be stubbornly glad. I feel it's a public service and to, you know, to be silly and to realize, you know, there's you know the things that are going on now have been going on since the beginning of time (laughs) you know what i mean man has acted in some of these ways from the beginning of time but there's also been this other story going on and i think it's rising now the story of compassion and love and let's all work together i think that story is a lot more a lot more compelling for us now
0: absolutely i mean you talked about wanting to wake everybody up and i think events like this and people that, you know, people get upset by is what actually wakes people up and creates more of a desire. Like that contrast creates desire, enough desire where people say, you know, I've had enough or I'm going to do something about it. And I don't think we can lose sight of that side of the story, which is I think what you're saying is that a lot of these problems create the desire for this to never happen again or to have a better future. And I think that's you know, really important. And it also comes back to the first thing you said is living from possibilities, not from problems. And I just love that so much. I want to talk about your new book and I have it right here in my hand. Art and Soul Reloaded, a year long apprenticeship for summoning the muses and reclaiming your bold, audacious, creative side. And this is what I love about what you do is it's so much more... Action-based and experiential, can we talk a little bit about the book and how and why a creative or an entrepreneur you know, a lot of my listeners are they're writing or they're, they have their own podcast or they're making videos, they're teaching, they're helping, but they've taken their passion and they've made a business out of it. And that's so awesome, and just like you're saying, I mean, this is never before in history that people have been able to do this, and it's such an exciting time. What can we discover from this new book?
1: Well, again, it's a way for all of us to start imagining bigger things because every person I have a little test in there and it's, you know, what I call my creativity test. You know, there's the LSAT to see if you can make it into law school, the MCAT for medical school. But here's my test offered for free Hmm. for Are You Creative? And it has one question. And it's, are you breathing? (laughs) And if you answered yes to this question, that means you're highly creative. So you can use this power of creation that all of us have to imagine, to kind of see the same old thing like we've been seeing, or you can use it to create something even better. And I think I believe that these higher forces have a lot of great projects to give to the world, a lot of great solutions to some of these issues to give, but they need the secretaries, is you know what I call myself as a creator. They need the makers to sit down and do the work for it. Again, I say work to play with these ideas. I mean, it's really fun when you're you know on this this particular assignment, <laughs> you know, to be spreading to be spreading this other message. So basically, it's about being more creative, about being, having a little bit more fun. It's about having more fun in your life because I think having fun is also a public service. It's about expressing who you are, expressing your gifts and imagining a better world, creating a better world because we're only one thought away from, you know, creating this perfect world. we're one thought away. I mean, it's, it's good to keep remembering that one thought away with all of us with a one thought away. So, you know, anything can be possible. And with, creativity we can imagine new ways of being
0: yeah i love it i love it it's out on amazon right now we're going to link that book up as well as all of other pam's books as well e squared e cubed thank and grow rich you've written like over 15 books is that right
1: Art and Soul Reloaded is my 19th book. You know, I've done a lot of travel books. I've done three books for National Geographic. I've done several, like, kind of quirky things in Colorado, quirky things in Kansas, my home state. So I've done a lot of travel books. And then I've done about half of my books, half of my 19 books of travel, and half of them are probably now more of them tend to be the inspirational type book because, you know, E Squared became such a... You know, transcending to forty languages, that people kind of want more of that. So I have been kind of focused on that. Plus, like I said, I think this is the only conversation worth having. Mm. So anyway, I, lately I've been doing less travel books, although I still do travel articles because I love to travel. Yeah. But I am doing more of the inspirational type books right now.
0: So something that I want to be mindful of your of your time. So we'll, we'll wrap it up soon. But here's a question that I've been really wanting to ask you. I think when I first started learning this stuff, and I could imagine like someone who reads your book as a first book, that they're reading that exposes them to this world of possibilities and you know that they they create their own reality. I found myself it was like kind of this very separate thing. It was almost like going to the gym. Like it's like you go to the gym for an hour but then you spend the rest of the day like eating like junk food and stuff. You're not really living and integrating a holistically healthy lifestyle if it's just condensed to one hour of a time. And that's kind of how I saw myself doing it. Is like, okay, I'll do this stuff for like five minutes a day and then I gotta go like, you know, hustle my off and hate what i'm doing and be really frustrated and have all these breakdowns and problems and impatience and you know i think my journey has really been about integrating them too but you, you know you're you're a business owner yourself you're a personal brand and you're an author and you and you work what are some quick thoughts tips pieces advice for us other entrepreneurs on how we really integrate this way of being while we're doing the work
1: Well, I sort of look at my work as a service, you know, like I'm really committed to, you know, getting this story out here, getting this story out there, I should say, Um, the story that there is a lot more possible, that who we really are is, you know, loving beings that want nothing more than to, you know, serve our fellow man. So I want this message to get out there because this old message, you know, that worldview 1.0 that I've been talking about. Mm -hmm you know, is dying. I mean, it's over. It's not working anymore. So to me, this new story of this new world we're all birthing, I feel like I'm in service to that. So I kind of see myself. I mean, yes, it's a career in that, you know, I do get money for that. And it is a business in that regard. But I've never seen myself. I've never seen myself so much as a business owner, although I am. (laughs) But I see myself more as a A maker, a giver of my gifts. And I think nowadays, with so many things changing in our world, I think all of us are going to need to be more, you know, individual, giving of our gifts kind of thing. I don't think, you know, we're going to be able to depend on the man, so to speak, you know, Mm -hmm. like we did for so many years. It's all about, you know, giving. And I think, you know, if we're giving that thing, that thing that only we can give. You know, we each have a gift to give the world that only we can give, and I think it's just so important. You know, I'm not—I don't want to slave away to somebody else's vision. I want to, you know, be working on my vision, and that's a lot of convoluted talk. I, I now I don't even remember exactly what you're. No, but, that, was, what, but. Yeah,
0: thats amazing. But I think the way I receive what you're saying is that when you operate from a place of something that's bigger than you that you're coming from a place of service, that when you have a what feels like a purpose or meaning to what you do, that it's contributing to the betterment of mankind, then none of it really feels like work anyway.
1: Exactly. And I also am a big believer in making it fun and
0: yeah.
1: kind of doing it just a little bit different. Because, you know, we're all taught there's a right and a wrong way to do things. Well, I don't really believe that. Mm. I think there's a way of doing it your way. And I so I think it's really important to kind of put your own little spin on things. So I, love it. I think that's part of the reason people have liked my books because they're kind of written in a fun manner. They're not real ponderous and let's... Oh, I don't know. They're just they're just fun. So I think it's important, and I have fun writing them. So I think, of course, that's going to people are going to pick that up. So I think it's important to enjoy our lives and to serve. Yes. So I guess those are the two things that I'm I'm out there to do: I to love enjoy it. my life and to serve. And you're
0: doing it, and you're impacting so many people. So thank you so much, guys. We will link up Pam's books in the show notes. I highly recommend you just devour everything. She's uh, written, and this is just such great material. And I think I've read E Squared three times now. So I highly recommend starting there. Pam, thank you so much. You know, th- thank and grow rich. Like there is so much gratitude from me. And I know our listeners, so many of them are going to write in with so much gratitude that you took the time to do this. So I really appreciate you. Do you have any final words, anything that's on your mind that you'd like to share in order to call this episode complete for you?
1: Oh, just okay. You know, there's this um, thing called rule 62 in the 12 step program. My friend was telling me about this and rule 62 is take yourself less seriously. (laughs) So (laughs) that's just the first thing that popped into my head right there. Take (laughs) ourselves less seriously.
0: I love that. I well done. Well said. Okay, Pam, thank you again. Thank you everyone for tuning in. We'll see you next week on the mind your business podcast. Take care.